Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Adam Matis. Adam, another July 1st passes, and yet another July 1st in which the Lakers must make the best signing in the NBA, adding J.R. Smith <laughs> J. to their Smith. roster. How about that? Congratulations, Anthony. You guys did it again. You did it again. Impressive stuff. Um, no, but in all seriousness, the, the least eventful July 1st we've had in a long time. Speak for yourself. All right, today's show. <laughs> I'm excited. This will be a good one. I'm excited for today's show. It's a good one. We are going to start by talking about the day's news. So the Clippers shut down their team facilities, joining the uh, Nuggets and Nets as the three teams to have done so so far. Uh, the NBA is discussing a Delete 8 tournament. Uh, I'm using that term by way of John Hollinger, one of our colleagues. By the way, one of the all-time kind of laughable <laughs> Elite Eight. It, no, 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 no. I, no, Delete Eight is great, but the fact that I get to call John Hollinger a colleague, you love that, huh? Qu- quite the upset. Quite <laughs> there you the go. upset. There you go. <laughs> and then, uh, and then for segments two and three, Adam and I have found observations for all of the 22 teams adam has one for his 11 i have one for my 11 and we are going to make observations in segments two and three really what we're excited about yeah each team just one one thing to get excited about sort of a lightning round i'm looking forward to it because i'm excited to watch all 22 teams i really am honest honest truth same uh (laughs) (laughs) i don't believe you Let's start with let's start with the the, uh, the Clippers joining the Nuggets and the Nets in shutting down their facility be, because of coronavirus. Test, yeah, yeah, positive tests. I look the way that I've kind of approached all this is, of course, they were going to get positive tests. Like this is part of the process. What happens outside of whatever bubble they're trying to form in Orlando? to me, doesn't seem as noteworthy quite yet. Well, I think what makes those three sort of unique and interesting and noteworthy is that these tests came back, you know, as the after the training facilities were set to be open, so a little bit later, we had the mm-hmm. initial wave of positive tests. The Nuggets, of course, were a part of both Jokic testing before these practices begin these one-on-one workouts began at the training facility but then these ones have happened since then so it's 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 you you don't want to call them an outbreak and in the clippers um you know their example today it was just one member of the traveling party at least so far we'll see if that number grows over the next couple days but to me that's what's sort of noteworthy but i think you said it best the nba was prepared for this i don't think it's shocking of course you didn't want to have any of these positive tests but the nba specifically has designed this um, bubble and and the way that they are going to enter the bubble and then prepare and ramp up towards actual games they've built it and structured it in a way that they knew they would have these and they would mitigate them and I'll tell you Anthony I don't think it's going to be the last one that we get before play resumes I wouldn't be surprised if we even got somebody that tests positive once a team arrives in Orlando the NBA, of course, is going to have all of their team, all of the players and coaching staff and everybody that's traveling to Orlando quarantine inside their rooms, their hotel rooms, not inside the hotels, inside their hotel rooms for 48 hours. So I, I don't. I think the NBA was prepared for this. I don't think they wanted it to happen, but to me, I'm not necessarily surprised. I mean, 
there is there is no way that doesn't intrude on on person you know whether it's players coaches team personnel like it, there's no way that doesn't intrude on their civil liberties to go about this like perfectly safely right so what they're doing is hey we are going to mitigate against those civil liberties they have been they have held their business however they're going to hold their business to this point and we are going to test them right now so that heading into the into this bubble we know exactly what we have on our hands and yeah. and and like from the team standpoint i like i actually really completely understand the clippers saying we don't want a single test around our players like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense for anybody involved in this thing to test positive before we even head in there because what if somebody is asymptomatic and passes that along to a player and then we wind up taking that into the bubble mm. and then we put everybody else at risk like now is the time to be completely overprotective so that when everybody gets into that bubble everybody is standing on that same on the, on that same plane of understanding of this is how we all arrived here and this is how we how we all have to move forward in it the way i would say it anthony is that i think as this goes on positive tests increase in sort of concern so yes initial yeah, tests before absolutely. everybody started working out in the practice facilities obviously you don't, all of these you don't want to happen but the nba proceeds forward they happen you know a positive test like in the clippers case after they've already been in the facility okay can mitigate it once you get to orlando then you're hoping that these positive tests become far less frequent and maybe reduce yeah. all the way down to zero very, very, very quickly. So um, I, I, I'm not too surprised by it, um, you know, and we'll just see kind of how it goes. The other bit of news today was that the uh, teams that are not heading to Orlando. Love this news. Love it. <laughs> so, so interesting. <laughs> Is it that interesting? The league's like, hey, we can, oh, ESPN are going to televise these? All right, all right. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll totally have another tournament. Um, but the NBA is preparing to have a, a tournament, a summer league tournament or a fall league tournament for those teams that are not going to be playing in Orlando. Uh, and the response to this on Twitter was funny because like you had a whole bunch of people washing their hands of it, but I know the 99% of the people that I follow on Twitter who were saying, this is dumb, this is stupid, this is a money grab, this is whatever, this is this, this and that. Like, you guys are going to watch. Yeah. Well, come, come September, like, there's going yeah. to be very few other options to be able to watch. I'm going to watch. So we should, we should share the news. First of all, ESPN, Jack McMullen is the one reporting that there's going to be yes. a, a, a that bubble tournament for teams not in the playoffs. So these are the eight teams, basically, that were not invited into this Orlando bubble. We'll create a new bubble. It'll have I, the identical sort of protocols in Chicago. In, in Chicago. It'll have identical protocols. And let's be honest, this is basically like a summer league. We're talking about the worst eight teams in the NBA, mm -hmm. and they're going to likely not bring their stars. So, for example, Blake Griffin in Detroit. I'd be shocked if Blake Griffin participated in this bubble. Mm -hmm. But it is an opportunity for all of these teams who are not good and have a lot of young talent to sort of showcase them. And to me, Anthony, sure, there's a money aspect of this. But I think equally as important to a lot of these young teams is just the fact that You've got young players who are in the prime developmental years. You know, if you're 18 to 24, this is when you grow the most as a player. 
And if you had to go 10, 11, 12 months without being around your coaching staff, without being around your team, without in, in, in as a front office and as a coaching staff, not getting to evaluate your talent and, and your players, to me, that would be a huge disadvantage. So this is like a summer league. It's an opportunity for sort of an abridged mini camp type thing where teams will play against each other and you'll get data points or data points about what direction you should go and, and, and what you have on your hands in terms of talent. I think it, I think it'll be actually very beneficial to teams. Absolutely. And, and personally, I am really looking forward to Steph Curry playing in a non-stakes game. Like that is when he shows <laughs> Steph Curry is, not, is going nowhere be. near this bubble. Come on, man, going nowhere <laughs> near it. No, but there's a lot of good young talent in the NBA. And and I just think back, you know, obviously I covered Denver, so I know the Denver Nuggets well. You go back to Emmanuel Moutier, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, you know, the young talent on that roster. If you had to take basically an entire calendar year off, that would put you at such a disadvantage to evaluate what you have and, and maybe yeah. set you back so you never discover that Jokic is your cornerstone or you never realize that Emmanuel Moutier can't make layups and you know that sets you back. So I think these teams will really learn at least a little bit um, from that experience. And more importantly, I think the players getting to play and compete and being around their teams will be very beneficial. Yeah, I just don't know what the Lakers would have done without figuring out what you know Brandon Ingram could have become and what. Lonzo yeah, Ball yeah, could I think yeah, exactly. I think you guys knew exactly what those guys would become, players for other teams. <laughs> All right, let's take it. the amount of bitterness that like just shown in Adam's face. I wish you guys could have seen that. Let's take a quick second when we come back. We are going to go team by team here. We have Can't wait. an observation per team here. Uh, for the 22 teams that are going to be heading to Orlando. We'll see how this thing goes. I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to try to limit it to about a minute per team or whatever. We'll see how this thing goes. So I'm I'm really looking forward to my observations. Adam Adam <laughs> tried hard, but I'm really looking forward to, oh to the observations that we're able to put together for these teams. All right, Adam, get us started. What's the what's the first observation from the um, first team that you're really excited to to get us underway with? Well, I'm interested to see. Uh, the, the, I got the the Portland Trailblazers up first, and I'm really interested to see the center position in Zach Collins, Yusef Nurkic, guys we haven't gotten to see that are healthy now, ready to play. Uh, I'm just curious to see. It, it's it's a unique circumstance that you are without two young players that either of whom could become a cornerstone of your team going forward, both becoming healthy and now thrown into this. So are they the, the combination of the two elevate Portland and make them, you know, make them better or does it become awkward? Are they competing against each other? Of course, back in Denver, Nikola Jokic and Yusuf Nurkic both arrived on the scene roughly the same time. And it wasn't great because only you knew only one could sort of elevate to become the guy. I'm curious to see both how much better they make the front court in uh, for Portland, how much they play, but also just what that sort of competition is like. Should they be competing for, the, for those minutes? They also have Hassan Whiteside. Well, of course, and that's sort of the default the default guy. But I think Collins and Nurkic are both better than Whiteside. In fact, I feel pretty confident saying they're both no, better. You're, you're right. You're right. I'm just saying, like Whiteside helped get them there. This is this. Oh, is my I point. see. Yeah, yeah. Is that like Whiteside helped get right. them there, and then yeah. those guys are also going to get there to compete? How they handle all this is going to be really interesting. 
I think both. I, I'm actually a fan of both Collins and Nurkic as, as a, from a basketball oh, yeah. player standpoint. I'm, I think they're I'm both more, really I'm more, talented. I'm more of a Collins guy than I am a Nurkic guy, but 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 yeah. Yeah, Nurkic's peaks are really really high. Um, his mm-hmm. valleys are pretty low. But anyway, I think Portland's a, uh, one of the more interesting teams, and those two guys are a big reason for it. Who's first on your list? Well, it's going to shock you, but the the Lakers are first on my list. <laughs> okay, and so. Frank Vogel today gave his kind of take on how the Lakers might handle it if Dwight Howard doesn't go to Orlando. And he said Mm. that he would rather not rely more on Anthony Davis minutes at the five, which means that the Lakers might rely either more heavily on JaVale McGee, which is kind of the the consensus here, Mm. or they might go to Kuzma minutes at the five, uh, Costas and Tentacompo minutes so, at the so five. You're going to have Anthony Davis on the court, but make Kuzma be at the five? Is this the idea? <laughs> I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, he's just okay. saying it. Like, he's, right. hoping for, he's hoping to avoid more minutes for Anthony Davis at the five. My response to it was basically like, you can hope all you want, right? Like I can, when I go to the doctor, I can hope that they tell me, hey, you're, you can eat all the steak you want and you can drink all the whiskey that you want. But I know that that's not how this is actually going to play out, right? And Frank Vogel is hoping that the, the situation doesn't call for more Anthony Davis at the five. But we know that that's what this situation is going to call for. Yeah. So he can hope all he wants, but the way this is probably going to play out, the Lakers are best served, especially if Dwight isn't there with Anthony Davis playing more minutes at the five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my next team on my list here is kind of lightning round here, but I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies. And, you know, we've talked a lot about what traits are going to be positive for the bubble. Like what, what, what gives you a leg up? I do think youth is going to have a part of this because, you Absolutely. know, one, you young players tend to have, you know, uh, fewer children you know not married whatever but also just more energy and there's going to be games every other day with one back-to-back in that that round of eight so I'm curious but I'm even more curious to see how Memphis handles being chased because this is such a unique circumstance for a team a young team like that I like this a lot you know everybody's going to be focused on Portland and New Orleans and and even Sacramento I think to a little bit of a lesser extent Memphis is the favorites to win that spot how do they handle that pressure of it's ours to lose. Sometimes as a young team, that's a more pressure-filled situation than we have to catch up to the team ahead of us. I kind of feel like pressure with young teams is like, it can go one of two ways, right? Like either youth can serve you in that, like you don't really recognize pressure because you don't know anything other than, other than whatever situation you're in, Mm. or you can overthink it and, and allow it to really, really catch up to you. So yeah, I, I love that point. Memphis being chased uh, during John Morant's like, cause you could extend that even to John Morant's like rookie of the year campaign, right? Like he's being chased by Zion. Yeah. And, and as well, this is all going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this bubble is going to, going to break that, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, given how heavily, I mean, the, the Pelicans are the next team on my list. So go, let's go. Uh, to them. Yeah. I, so a lot was made of, Zion's picture where he's wearing his mask and he looks all yoked out, right? But it was also from like a certain point of his body. Oh my <laughs> goodness, I can't believe I have to apologize to Pelicans fans that this is your take. Unbelievable. I'm kidding. Unbelievable. 
<laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. Uh, no, no. The the obvious point to make here with the Pelicans. Yeah, this is, is that a we might, This is the easiest one. Go it for is. it. We are on the precipice of potential superstardom here with, yeah. with Zion. And he is going to be playing with all eyes on him in this situation. And and really, the only point here to make about the Pelicans is, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, I can't wait to watch this guy 100%. in this situation. It, I think that he is the most interesting player in this entire round of eight now as the, it goes on you know Giannis and LeBron and Kawhi are, they're going to take center stage because they're the best players in the league and their teams are the ones that are favored but I think through this round of eight there it's not even close I don't even know who the second most interesting person is Zion is by far the most interesting and the photo today of him just looking like an absolute uh, superhero. <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't be from, more from a certain point of his body. Up. Get out of here! You know what? Get out of here! We're moving on. I I got the magic. Uh, actually, I've got the Denver Nuggets up next. And for you know, obviously, I'm close to this team. What I think similar along the lines of Zion is the easy answer there. I think there's an easy answer. And Skinny Jokic, that's part of it. The Corona, you know, how does he bounce back from coronavirus? You could easily say that, but. I'm actually more interested in Michael Porter Jr. and how Michael Malone handles him. Yes. He's shown in his little limited minutes to be an incredibly talented player. He's on a veteran team. He's not a veteran player. He's very much a rookie. So now you take four months off and you put him back in there. At his best, he elevates the Nuggets to a much higher, probably into the top of that second tier. At his worst, he is the worst player on a contending team, <laughs> or you know, just the most unaware player on a contending team. So I'm curious, one, how Michael Malone handles his minutes, and two, if he does get minutes, how Michael Porter Jr. handles those minutes. The kid's talented. He's good. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I, get, I get at least one message a week or, like, every other week from you saying, like, so-and-so from so-and-so source is telling me that, like, good Lord, look at this kid play in whatever kind of setting – and and yeah, like if, if he's actually utilized properly and he rises to the occasion whenever he is utilized, the Nuggets become a different team. Yeah. Not just this year, but then like especially moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, the team that I have next on my list here is the Philadelphia 76ers. And Ben Simmons is apparently healthy. And, you know, heading into the, the if we were, you know, obviously the playoffs wouldn't be going on right now. We would be getting ready for next season at this point. But the Sixers were heading towards what seemed to be a very disappointing season. And if Ben Simmons is healthy and if Joel Embiid is, is in shape and if that team can come together in the next like two or three months or whatever it's going to be, then they might really completely alter the course or course of that entire franchise. That is just one of the more – we have we have players that are really that are probably more interesting we have we have championship teams that are that have a higher chance of winning the thing but when you talk about like what these next few months might mean to a certain team i don't know that you can make a case that the next couple months might mean more to any one team than these next few ones might mean to the sixers i would even say that when you talk about what things are going to be valuable here in this bubble, I think talent, just raw talent, is going to be really high. And, of course, the 76ers mm. are flush with talent. hasn't always come together for them. They, I think the, the sum has been less than, than the parts, right? But 
they're very talented. So I am curious if this is in many ways a perfect opportunity for them to sort of seize the moment. So um, they're, like I said, I'm interested in a lot of these teams, but but they're, they're certainly there. Next on my list, the Orlando Magic. Another player that I sneaky think is one of the most interesting players in the round of eight, and that's Markel Fultz. Now, Fultz, of course, has had an interesting journey here. Look, let's be honest. The Magic aren't going anywhere. They're, they're, they're not an interesting team on the whole. But with the teams of this caliber, you start looking at players, and especially young players, and you want what you want to see from them. Markel Fultz really grew as a player this year in Orlando. If you look at um, you know, his points per game on the rise over those over the months of January, February, and March really seemed like he was getting it together. Over five games in, in March, he averaged 15 and a half points. So I'm curious to see, um, you know, if he continues sort of that upward trajectory he finished um, the season on back in March. I don't really have much to add to the. <laughs> then go. Let's hear your next one. <laughs> uh let's 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 do one more team here and we'll take a second okay. uh but the 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 utah jazz are my next team here okay and and i really find the utah jazz super interesting from the standpoint of like they have so many questions and i don't know that they have very much flexibility moving forward so they kind of have to figure things out between mike conley between donovan mitchell between rudy gobert like that core has to figure itself out because I don't know how much flexibility that team and that franchise has moving forward. I don't know that you're going to get that from this bubble. I mean, I mean, for me, the well, thing sure, that I... it's it's never it's never a perfect sample yeah. size. Like this is not going to be the perfect sample size here. Yeah. But like, it's not like they were playing all that well, you know, throughout the entirety of whatever lat or this season was going to be. Right? Sure. They, they they weren't looking great. But that's basically what they were going to have to go off of. Now, they were playing better by the end of – before we headed into this hiatus. They started to look a little uh, bit better. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit better. I, yeah, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like kind of push back on yours because what's interesting to me, I, I, I'm really interested in, in seeing how they are affected by the loss of Boyan. Of course, Joe Ingles, the natural player to sort of replace him, and I think that's really good. Then you look at the players that go behind. But what I'm interested in is Mike Conley and how does swapping Ingles for Boy or Boyan for Ingles, how does that affect him specifically? I'm curious to see if he has a great bubble uh, tournament without Boyan on the court. That, that, to me, would be an interesting data point for them. Should but it, he has to. Like the, the, the- yeah. He's going he has a player option for next year at an insane amount of money. So like that this is this is my point is that like the Jazz don't have very much flexibility to improve or change or alter course if this doesn't look the way that they want it to look heading into mm. whenever this bubble thing is is over. Mm. All right, let's take a, a quick second here. We still have the Clippers, the Bucks, the Rockets. We, we have plenty of teams to go through here for our observations heading into the bubble. All right, Adam. So who do you have next on your list here for, for bubble teams? All right, we'll try to go lightning round here. I know we got a lot of teams to get to. The Indiana Pacers, I'm really curious to see TJ Warren. Let me just read you off the final uh, 23 games of his season. And why 23? Well, it's 
I, I cut off Jordan, right. You're a no, big Last Dance fan. No, no, no. I cut it off right after the famous Miami Heat game. Jimmy Butler, them two going at each other. I think TJ Warren held to just one basket in that game. Since mm-hmm. that point, 20 points per game, 57% from the field, 39% from the three-point line. That's a 26 games or uh, 23 game sample size. That's not bad. I'm curious to see if he sort of carries that into the bubble and that momentum and uh, if he does, that that's a really that's a legitimately good player that's that could really help them make some noise. Were we supposed to do research for this? Or <laughs> you do you have your style? I've got mine. <laughs> that's a legitimately great stat, by the way. Yeah, like it's interesting. Really he was on a hot streak. What do you yeah, got? He was. All right, so uh, the Clippers are the next team in my round here, and okay. all time shocker that, that they weren't in that first round. But all right, so here's my thing with the Clippers. Are you ready to be vaulted into the elite tier of franchise? Because this is all we've been hearing about. We have a an owner that is completely ready to spend. We have a front office that has been built for this kind of a situation. We have a front office that has turned down other opportunities elsewhere, right? Like, mm-hmm. are, are the Clippers actually ready to seize the moment here and win the games that they have to to vault themselves into the conversation that they want so desperately to be a part of in especially in the western conference in their own division even yeah i look man i kind of like the clippers they might be my favorite (laughs) no i think they're a great pick yeah i i kind of like them i'm curious um moving on to the sacramento kings Marvin Bagley's ready to go. Luke Walton's not ready to commit to play Marvin Bagley. But I got to be honest, I'm a Bagley fan. I, I'm kind of a Bagley believer. He's one of those guys that, to me, he's going to be defined by – You're a bag lever? I'm a bag lever. He, mm-hmm. uh, he's defined by being picked before Doncic, and I think that's going to always sort of be part of, part of how people look at him. But I think yeah. he's a really interesting player. And, again, the Kings are another team that making the playoffs is sort of their goal, getting into that playoff – round as a goal so they have a reason to kind of go with the guys that they 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 have had for most of the year but if Bagley gets to play I'm going to be hanging on every single minute he's in the game I just want to add to whatever you're saying there De'Aaron Fox is an absolute gamer I can't wait to see how competitive he gets over this stuff like I like that's that's one of the top players that I really can't look I, I can't wait to see in this kind of situation um the next team on my list here is the Bucks. And my number one concern for any team heading into this setting is those teams that relied super heavily on three-pointers to open up the rest of their offense. How are you going to handle significant amounts of time where players weren't able to shoot or weren't able to get shots in the rhythm of a practice, Mm. in the rhythm of an offense? How are those teams going to respond the Bucks need their role players to hit three pointers to open up the rest of the game for Giannis. And I and and for me, this could potentially be the number one story for the entire NBA moving forward. Because if the Bucks don't meet expectations here, are we going to start hearing that same you know noise? about Giannis looking to move on. Well, we're going to hear that no matter what again. happens. But the one thing no, I no, 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 like if they if they win a championship, I don't know why we would hear that. Like if but if 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 they fall short again, would it be would it would it be perceived as like hey, this situation was so weird, 
will Giannis look at that as like, hey, I mm-hmm. actually want to, if I'm going to lose, is it going to be on my own on my own terms or whatever? But if the Bucks aren't, again, if their role players aren't able to hit enough three-pointers to open up the key for Giannis, like, does he ever say, all right, let's let's get me to a situation where I, I, I know I'm going to have that? Here's where the Bucks have the best setup of everybody in the NBA on the in this bubble tournament. They have a six and a half game lead over the Raptors in the East for the one seed. And then they get to play the Orlando Magic. They basically get 12 games to warm up. And no other team in the NBA has is awarded that well, luxury. The Lakers so. are close. They are close, but you know, and you're right. The, the, the team that they might have to face, although I'll say it. The Lakers have to take on the Pelicans, even though the Lakers will win. That is not the same as the Bucks taking on the Magic. It's just not. It's different mm-hmm. level of of intensity. So, um, I think the Bucks have a perfect setup for them to sort of build some momentum. Next team on my list is the Celtics, and this one's kind of easy. You know, I'm interested in Jason Tatum. He had such a breakout year. Wait, Ernie, can we, can we go back to the Bucks Lakers conversation? We got to be quick. We got a lot of teams here. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But the Bucks have a lot more riding on these playoffs than the Lakers do. I, okay, I I can't agree with that. <laughs> we well, why, why would you not? Like, if the Bucks if the Bucks fall short of expectations, like if they don't even make the finals, then like they might lose Giannis. But I I think everybody who is anywhere near Anthony Davis is saying like, yeah, he's going to be back. LeBron is going to be back, no matter what. Now LeBron's going to be back in thirty six years old by the time they get back to the playoffs. I'm just, there's don't sure. let's not pretend there's not a clock. But they aren't going to lose any of those players. The Bucks might. Look again. You might. You don't know that. You're talking about a 35 year old. You never know that. At that point, you never know when you're taking your, your, your not your final step. You know, but you just never know when things start but, to go but down. They, go down but fast. the Lakers, the Lakers aren't in the same situation where they're concerned about losing either of those right, players we'll, in the way that Milwaukee might be. Like, we'll never, we'll never agree on this. I think they both wow. have that pressure. But all right, the Boston Celtics, though, Jason right. Tatum, breakout year for him, and also this is the we year. I mean, you. he's definitively the guy that needs to carry them. I mean, they have a lot of talent. They're, they're, they've always had a very balanced approach. But if they're going to make it to the finals, or if they're going to make it even to the Eastern Conference finals, they need Jason Tatum to be the best player in a series that's going to feature some really, really talented players. So I'm curious to see. This is To me, this feels in many ways like um, the first, not pressure, I don't want to say pressure because he's got a lot of career, but this is the first where it's like Tatum, you're the guy. You got to go out there and outplay Giannis. I kind of want Tatum. So he just he took that picture where he had like his whatever his his new hairdo is. Yeah. And I kind of want him to like shave that off and paint an arrow down his head because he's been 19 for like four years now. So like I kind of want him to like shave like paint an arrow an avatar arrow down his head to say like I am of this age. I am ready to handle this. Well, okay. <laughs> we have such different approaches to this. <laughs> Let's hear your next one. All right. The Rockets, dude. Oh, wow. All right. The Rockets are, are next on my list. And they are the team that, in terms of what I anticipate is going to matter heading into this bubble and, and, and the teams that can provide that, I have no idea where the Rockets are going to land. Like that to me is my note. That's my story here is I have no effing idea what the Rockets are going to do here. It wouldn't shock me completely if they won a championship. It wouldn't shock me completely if they if they lost in the first round. Mm. Yeah. The Rockets are a fascinating team. I think I I think people are starting to talk themselves into the Rockets, which I find find really funny. 
Um, next team on my list, Dallas Mavericks. I put leadership on here. Most teams in the playoffs, in the, you know, surefire playoff teams, have a guy that you say, okay, it's the best player and leader, or some, you know, you know who that is. I'm curious, Luka Doncic, as talented as he is, this bubble, as unique and weird and you know, as isolated as these guys are. I think Luca's going to need to show a little bit of leadership in ways that maybe he yeah. hasn't been, hasn't so far. So that's really their only goal. Should they win a round? I think that to me that that would be their best possible outcome. But so you really look at some of the other things, the intangible things, and his leadership is one thing that I'm I'm going to be looking at. Uh, the next team on my list here is the Nets, and you know they're missing so many guys here that it's easy to write them off, but. I do kind of hope that the decision makers in that in that organization and even the superstars in that organization kind of look at the way Jared Allen plays over these next, you know, this next few weeks or month or whatever, how long, however long they play there. And they realize, hey, this guy's really effing good. Like, let's not just let's um, let's let's not completely throw him away because DeAndre Jordan is friendly with. Kevin Anthony, Durant. they already have the answer to this. There's nothing they're going to learn in these eight games that doesn't tell them what they already know, which is definitively Jared Allen is a better player. But, but that, of course, but that, we know. But that, but that's the problem, though. Like that's that's my thing. Is that like I hope I hope that somebody in that organization, either otherwise, they're just going to lose this lose this guy to a team that that and he's going to become a superstar again, and they're going to be sitting there like, well. You know, we had that really fun one-year stretch. He's going to be really good in Washington, man. What are you talking about? The uh, <laughs> Phoenix Suns, for me, again, this is another team that it's a no-hoper. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about DeAndre Ayton. Just haven't seen enough of him. I think he's a really – he's him, like Bagley, were guys that I think it, it's hard to evaluate them in the moment because they were of where they were taken and who they were taken ahead of. But Aiden's a really good player, and this is just another opportunity to kind of get to see him against the league's best players. So uh, I'm excited to watch him play. Next team on my list here is the Heat. This feels like a really good nobody believes in this team, and I, I really kind of believe that the Heat are going to surprise some people. Like I, you know, they're they're going to okay. win a series that they probably shouldn't, and it's probably going to be against like the 76ers, and Jimmy Butler gets to dance all over. Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I actually think the Heat are an f- extremely fascinating team. One of the one of the more fascinating teams. Uh, also fascinating, sneaky Toronto Raptors. So we talk about what traits are going to be important here. First of all, the Raptors they're going to be so angry about them being so far down this list. Like I think fans. the Raptors. I, first of all, I think they're interesting. But you talk about continuity. Well, that's important. Continuity. Teams having to get familiar with each other or whatever. The Raptors very, very familiar with each other. They've done it before. They're a very smart, high IQ team, a balanced team. And then they have what who I consider to be probably the best coach in the NBA right now at this moment. So wow. So I'm looking at the Raptors and just does their continuity translate to success here in this bubble? Uh, I kind of think it does. I'm buying I'm buying Toronto Raptors stock right now. Yeah, my my only my only note was like, holy crap, how do we get all the way down here to to first talk about the Toronto Raptors. Uh, this isn't an order, team, by the way. This is not. I know, order. I know, oh, I know, okay. no, but it, like their their team, their their fans are going to perceive it as such, right? Uh, like, well. hey, here's notes on every team. Listen till the 38 minute mark to talk to, to listen about your team. <laughs> well, we'll um, all right, so the next uh, the next team on my list here is the Washington Wizards. 
they exist. All right, who's your who's your next team? That's really it, huh? That's all. <laughs> I mean, like like Davis, like nobody interesting is playing on that team. All right, well, um, last one for me, San Antonio Spurs. I'm I'm really curious about their approach given the circumstances. Um, of course, Lamarcus Aldridge out. They don't really have a shot, but you know what they do have is a lot of young guys, and I, and I'm really curious to see if. Greg Popovich's approach here is to get a little bit weird. I almost think that it's actually the best approach for San Antonio. Play all of your young talent. Play play really small. Some you know throw Derek White, Dejounte Murray. I believe he's playing. Throw throw all those guys out there. Let's see what you get from them. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were a team that sort of surprises people, in large part because we talk about continuity being a positive. Well, the other thing that could be difficult is going against a team that is so drastically different than what they were when you last saw them. I think that's going to be the Spurs and it'll be feast or famine. They might lose by 30, but they might also sneak up on a bunch of teams because nobody has the scouting report for the version of the Spurs that they're throwing out there. Death taxes and the Spurs showing up with a shorthanded team when everybody is watching. It's true. It's true. All right, uh, my last team here is actually, I got, you know, I, this is one of the teams that I really can't wait to watch in the spot. And it's for a very movie centric oh <laughs> plot line. Dude, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder are a team that is showing up with almost no expectations. They have no idea who's going to be on that roster next year. They're almost all playing for a contract beyond this season. Like, I can't wait to watch this team just show up and get ready to wreck everybody that 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 is in their in there. And they're a super talented team, by the way. And yeah. they're gonna be healthy and they're gonna be I just the Thunder to me is the team that like if I were if I were a random Western conference, especially top tier, you know, caliber uh title contender, I would not want to face the Thunder. Because they have nothing at all to lose. They're also good. I mean, the whole Western Conference, there's not an easy one in the lot. Um, they might be, in my opinion, the third or fourth easiest, but that's not saying much. They're going to be really good. Uh, so I'm curious to see. And then, of course, Chris Paul in the bubble. Let's see what yes. happens. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, he's definitely going to snitch on somebody. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NBA podcast, this week's episodes of the Locked On NBA podcast. This was fun. It was fun. We went, I, I can't believe, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm surprised we made it through all the time. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week as teams start making their way out to Orlando. We'll know more about what all these teams might actually look like. Uh, I know for my, for, for the team that, you know, I cover specifically, we don't know what the Lakers are actually going to look like because they're waiting on Dwight Howard's decision. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll know that for sure by the time that Adam and I speak again. So stay safe out there. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Please do so safely. And Adam and I will talk to you again next Friday. Wear a mask, everyone. <laughs>